I'm joined today by lead author of a systematic review, Maura Smitty, who is also a coordinator and lecturer for the Health Protection Masters in Public Health at UCC. You're also a researcher in the area of infection control and prevention. Maura, it's great to speak with you. Thanks very lovely to be with you today. And thank you very much for being a guest on the podcast. Thank you very much. So I'm going to have a few questions there regarding uh, uh, your publication. Uh, what was the motivation between uh, before, uh, about doing a systematic review in the area of uh, hand hygiene? Well, Barry, a lot of systematic reviews have been done in this area already, but they've all focused on the quantitative research. And we did identify that a review of the qualitative research hadn't been carried out, and we were very interested to see if the findings of reviewing that type of research would be different to those from the qualitative, and what else could we learn so we could, I suppose, further research in this area and inform what practice and what we're doing. So that was really the motivation behind it. Just for listeners like myself who wouldn't have experienced in healthcare settings, why is hand hygiene so important? Well, hand hygiene probably is the most important thing we can do to prevent healthcare-associated infection. Um, in um, Ireland, we have about 5% of patients who come into hospital in Ireland will develop a healthcare-associated infection. If you look at high-income versus low-income countries, the risk of acquiring a healthcare-associated infection while in hospital in low-income countries can be up as high as 15%. We know that performing hand hygiene can actually reduce this risk very significantly. Um, but unfortunately, we also know from the research that so healthcare workers don't always perform hand hygiene to the best possible level. And I suppose a lot of these reviews are really trying to establish why, why we are not performing hand hygiene as well as we should be and what can we do to improve this. Uh, what did you, what was significant findings of your research? The aim of the research really was to establish what was there in the literature, the qualitative literature in relation to why healthcare workers comply with hand hygiene guidelines and uh, recommendations and what influenced them. Um, and the two major themes that were emerged from the research and from looking at the original data that was presented in the included studies, one was motivational factors, which are very personal. And sometimes, you know, in other studies have been referred to as internal factors. And the other thing was work environment factors. And sometimes this can be referred to as external factors as well. But it, it's probably not quite that simple really it's more complex than that if we look at the motivational factors um we, we we people are kind of like sheep we tend to follow what others do um so we're certainly really influenced by our peers so one of the aspects that came up was that um a resident house doctor um did perform hand hygiene prior to seeing the patient and by the time the consultant he was working with, um, by the time he was finished performing hand hygiene, the consultant was leaving the room and that led the person to have self-doubt as to whether he should have performed hand hygiene or not. So essentially, we do follow people. We follow role models. We follow champions. And what we need to concentrate on doing is actually encouraging, developing that to try and improve our systems of social role modeling and social influences within healthcare. Another thing that came up, which is very interesting, is self-protection. We are all very much motivated by self-protection and, and healthcare workers are the same. So if healthcare workers perceived a risk to themselves, if the patient was deemed to be infectious for some reason, then their hand hygiene was improved and during those times. And this is consistent with findings from observational hand hygiene auditing, auditing nationally in Ireland here as well. Um, cues are very useful. So if people see um, alcohol hand rub available to them or posters or screensavers or anything like that that 
triggers them to think, oh God, I need to perform hand hygiene, then that increases compliance also. One thing as well that was a little bit different is acuity of patient care. So for patients that were high risk in high risk situations where they needed immediate care, hand hygiene wasn't a priority. And that is as it should be. Um, if someone needs to be resuscitated, the healthcare worker isn't going to hesitate and say, well, I need to perform hand hygiene prior to resuscitation. They engage with the task immediately because the risk is to the patient is to their life as opposed to being the risk of infection. Um, so that's kind of the motivational factors. If we look at the work environment factors, well, number one is resources. You have to have the facilities available to, to perform hand hygiene. And that might be sinks and paper towels. Um, with, with the World Health Organization recommendations from 2009, there's a big push trying to use alcohol hand gel um, as opposed to just hand washing. And this is suitable in a lot of circumstances, most circumstances. Um, it's not suitable where hands aren't visibly clean and they actually have to be washed to remove um, organic material. And the other time it's not suitable is for certain diseases, which alcohol hand gel is ineffective against. And one of those would be Clostridium difficile which is um, an antibiotic type diarrhea or antibiotic related diarrhea. Um, the other thing about resources, if you have resources available right next to the patient, people are much more likely to perform hand hygiene. So we would call that at the point of care. So if you have a lot of alcohol hand gels available next to patients where care is given, then healthcare workers are more likely to comply. Um, also, healthcare workers need to be educated. They need to know why they're doing, what they're doing it, when they need to do it and how to do it. So without that education, you know, people don't know why they're doing it, so they're less likely to comply. And information also is key. And by information, I mean, you know, results of audits. How well are we complying? How poorly are we complying? And that can actually inspire and motivate people to adapt and change their behavior. And the other thing that is essential, really, is having an organization that there's a culture of patient safety and a culture of compliance with hand hygiene. So if you have um, an organization where everyone is informed and motivated and working together to improve hand hygiene, you're going to have a lot more success. Whereas if you don't have management buy-in, you don't have resources, auditing isn't carried out, people aren't educated, you're going to be much less likely to have compliance with hand hygiene guidelines. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Wow, so like it's, it's, it's complex it is complex there's a lot of factors in play there mm. um is there is there anything that kind of policymakers or maybe healthcare uh, managers can kind of take from this study and incorporate into their own place i mean absolutely i think because it's so multifaceted i think you do need to sit down and consider all the factors that influence um you can't just address one thing um, for example, providing alcohol hand gel everywhere, but not provide the education, not provide the role models, um, not provide the cues. It, it is multimodal. And I suppose the World Health Organization did design a multimodal approach for improving and implementing hand hygiene guidelines. And I would say to managers, go and look at that. Um, there's great tools available. They're there since 2009, but are still very, very relevant and I mean, the findings of the review are very consistent with what they recommend. They talk about system change um, is one of the things and that comes in training and education, evaluation and feedback, using visual reminders and having an institutional safety climate. So in a nutshell, it, it's very much, I suppose, consistent with the findings of the review. But there are fantastic resources available on the World Health Organization website to support managers moving forward. To me, I do think you have to have the culture to do with within. And I think you're not going to progress your aim of improving hand hygiene without creating that culture and providing the support for staff. Um, as we all know, staff in healthcare are very, very busy. 
Absolutely. Everyone goes to work with the intent of providing the best possible patient care. Nobody wants to cause an adverse event um, for a patient such as an infection. Um, but we really need to have integrated cultural support within organisations to actually be effective. Very good. Yeah, you've, um, in uh, further studies from that, you did some interesting correlations between uh, the workplace environment and kind of buy-in from overall mm-hmm. and uh, then uh, the staff of that workplace then just take you on board. So there's a correlation between the management putting effort in mm-hmm. and also providing proper resources and that will lead then to um, uh, buy-in from the staff. Well, I think it makes it easier. I mean, when we talk about patient safety and hand hygiene, I mean, the right thing to do should be the easiest thing to do. Um, we're all human. We'll all make errors. So if we have, if you bring theory like human factors theory and engineer compliance into healthcare organizations, and by that, if you have alcohol hand gel beside a patient, you're more likely to use it than if you have to walk outside the door of that patient room to use it. So you can't comply unless you have the resources and unless you have the cultural and management support to do it. So essentially, you can't pick one thing as being essential because they're all integrated and it is complex and we know from behavioral theory look there's a lot of theories out there how we motivate people to um to perform according to guidelines i mean one of the things that has been looked at is the emotion of disgust in relation to getting people to perform hand hygiene so by providing posters with you know horrendous infections on them and there is some evidence to suggest that that will actually make healthcare workers comply better because they can see the effect of infection for the patients. So there's a lot of different facets and lots of different types of research out there. Um, it's just to, I suppose, try and get your head around the whole lot. And we know it is it is complex. There's no doubt it's complex, but you know you have to start somewhere. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, uh, I want to jump on to the conference that you're organising. Sure. Um, I've been speaking with people in the department and uh, each year this conference is a massive success. It's uh, booked out weeks in advance. Uh, last year's was on building uh, capacity. This year's yes. conference, what's it on? This We're talking about the Safe Patient Care Conference, which is, I suppose, the mission of the conference year on year is to provide better infection control in healthcare organisations um, and improve patient safety. And that's all aspects of infection control. It's not just hand hygiene for anyone who's listening, and you're bored of hand hygiene by now. Um, it, it's all aspects of infection prevention and control and keeping our patients safer. This year, we're focusing on long-term and residential care. And the reason for that is the resources from a clinical nurse manager or infection control nurse manager perspective are much less than what we have in acute health care or in acute hospitals. So the aim of this is to particularly focus on long-term care and residential care to try and give staff and caregivers at the front line a better understanding of infection prevention um, and so that we actually do impact on patient safety at that level. That's brilliant. Super. It's yeah. great fun. I heard you do a do you do a good conference. <laughs> yeah, well, it is great fun, and I, it, it, the one thing about the conference is free, and great. it's over two days, and we do feed you Super. as well, um, and it's all courtesy of the Cork and Kerry um, HSC South Infection Prevention and Control Committee, um, and that is with the I suppose as I said the mission that you know we're all in this together. We're all interested in in actually making hospitals and healthcare environments and residential care safer for our patients and residents. Um, and you know that is the full aim of the conference and it it is meant to be fun it's meant to be interactive our sessions are most of them are no more than 20 minutes because we don't want to put anyone to sleep where possible and we like to try and cover as many relevant topics as possible that's brilliant 
you need to come I, w- I would love to come <laughs> and you're going to everything will be presented online as well after it's um, absolutely we will try and have all the lectures available online it's on the 1st and 2nd of September which is a Thursday and Friday and this where year where would you go to get tickets how is it on uh, all you need to do is click online for uh, on the Department of Epidemiology and Public Health website under conferences Brilliant. and you just need to register with Jennifer Collin who's the conference administrator excellent I'll put up a link as well that'll be great thank you very much well, thank you very much for taking time great Barry thanks for chatting to me and we'll expect to see you at the conference there's no getting out of it now. <laughs> thank you <laughs> thanks Barry